You are now listening to the London International Christian Church Podcast. Wow, we're ready to worship God, aren't we? Can we give the magic a round of applause for his awesome song leading? That's what happens when you grow in the Lord. God adds to your talent right there. If you're visiting for the first time, we give you a warm welcome. Uh, we really mean warm. It was very warm in here. And uh, we've got the AC turned on a little bit, but we're going to heat it up with the Word of God here shortly. Uh, we love God. I pray you love God. If you love God, say, I love God. Now, if you love God, say, I love God like you really mean it. Okay, that's what fires me up, and I'm only human right there. we got to keep the Lord excited. Today, uh, the title of the lesson is, it comes from a word that you should never say in marriage unless it's positive. You know, in marriage, they say there's one thing you should never say to your wife. It's the word always. Unless it's a positive thing, you know. Honey, you're always right, you know. Honey, you're always beautiful in the morning. Honey, honey, you're, you're, you're always always on my mind, like the song, you know, and then the sisters get excited, but you don't say, honey, you're always nagging, or you're, you're, you're always criticizing me, right? We always teach that that word is very, 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 very challenging word because it's kind of a gross overestimation of reality, yet we know that when God uses a word, God is perfect, are you with me here? And uh, if God says you got to do something always, we know God means you got to do it always. And uh, so I've just entitled today's lesson. I got real deep and clever with it today. I want it to be that way for you. Sometimes you got to get deep and clever. The title of the lesson is simply Always. Always. You know, when you look in the Bible, you find that in Psalms 105, verse 4, the Bible says, Look to the Lord and his strength, seek his face. Always. <laughs> so God says, hey, you, you got to look to him and you got to seek his face always. I pray that if you've come today, you're looking for the face of God. You're not looking for the face of men, even though we are an international Christian church. First of all, the Bible church was an international Christian church. And so there was no such thing in the Bible as a white church or a brown church or a black church. It was an international celebration. And they were looking for the face of God. They wanted to see God's face in the fellowship. That means purity. Righteousness. They wanted to see the I pray today you're here to see the face of God. In Isaiah 58 and verse 11, the most quoted Old Testament prophet in the New Testament, Isaiah says this here. He says, the Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land, even in London, and strengthen your frame. You will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose water never fail. I love that. It says the Lord will guide you always. It says you don't need map quest, you need God quest right there. And God will guide you to who you need to marry. God will guide you to where God's church is. God will guide you as to what he has to say to you on a daily basis. I'm glad he guided me to the most beautiful woman in the world, Michelle Williamson, right there. The Lord was doing his guiding right there. 
and uh, she's an incredible, incredible, uh, beautiful woman on the inside, but she's beautiful uh, on the outside. She, she's just an incredible, prudent wife. She's a partner in the gospel. Uh, and that's what I love about her. She, she wants to do great things for God. Uh, I never forget coming to church and, and, and really seeing a difference in the church that uh, the men and the women, when they went on Christian dates, it wasn't like the world where, you know, you got to be Mr. Smooth and cool. And you got to have the nice car. No, they were just brother and sister looking to encourage one another always. And uh, it takes the pressure off when you have Christian dating and there's no are we going to be together type of thing going on. And yet what really moved me about Michelle is she wanted to do great things for God. And so her vision was outside of it being just, hey, look at that guy over there. She wanted to be with a man who wanted to do great things for God. Uh, and, and so that, those words were very profound when I struggled in my faith and thought about leaving the Lord as, as we heard our brother Rob come back she looked me in the eye and says hey I thought we were going to do great things for God together uh, and yet today as, as I, I heard those words and I repented <laughs> I, I see the family I see all your faces I see the individuals that have joined our movement and I go wow me and my partner in the gospel my lovely wife we are doing things for the Lord and I want to do great things for the Lord always I don't know about you you know, uh, it's so awesome seeing Rob come back. And it reminds me of uh, Luke chapter 15. Uh, Luke 15 says uh, in verse 31, of course, the father in the story is God. And he says, my son, my father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. You know, it's so great to know that you may have not had a father that ever looked you in the eye and told you that he loved you. But that God Almighty always loved you. You may not have had a mother that looked you in the eye and said, hey, you're always with me. Or you may not have always been with your family. I know for me, I was abandoned at the age of 14 years old. My mother kind of, dare we say, ran out of faith, ran out of steam. uh, And she sadly uh, was given over to drug abuse and drug use. Uh, Me and my three younger brothers were, were abandoned in a home that was... Uh, condemned, uh, you know, the bottom section of the home had animals in it. It, it was a pretty harrowing situation. Uh, and yet, even in that midst of that tragedy, I saw that God was with me. He allowed that pain to force me to turn to Him, even at the age of 14 years old. Uh, and I and I look at I looked at life a bit jaded uh, until I was able to look at the scriptures and to go, wow! The only reason I really made it through that is because God was with me in the darkest times. Because the Bible teaches very clearly that God is close to those who are brokenhearted. And you could be brokenhearted today. I, I don't know. Uh, the sun outside isn't necessarily the sun inside. Uh, and yet, if God is broken, if you're brokenhearted, it doesn't matter because God is with you. Uh, he, he's there with every one of those sad tear steps you're taking, God is with you right there. Uh, And so I I took refuge in that scripture and I joined the church. I became a true disciple, a true Christian. I I put away all the the anger, the bitterness, and all those feelings that I always had. (laughs) And I became a true disciple in 2000. And I'm excited to be a true disciple today. Um, What is a true disciple? A true disciple is someone who's counted the cost. A true disciple is someone who believes in every single bit of the word of God. A true disciple is someone who says, anyone that doesn't believe in everything in here, whatever they're saying to me, is tell- they're telling me a lie. Anything that does that contradicts this Bible that we're looking at is flat out a lie. Even if it's your emotions. Yeah. Even if it's, dare we say, the Quran. Absolutely, yeah. 
Okay, the Quran totally contradicts the word of God. But then the funny thing is, is it actually also says that you're supposed to judge by the gospel. <laughs> so the, 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 the Quran itself tells you to judge by the gospel of Jesus. Right? See, the word of God is perfect. I pray you always are someone who is guided by the Holy Bible. You're not guided by your emotions. And when you do, you go, okay, well, what does the Bible teach on this principle right here? We are a Bible church. We don't hide it from anyone. We don't. We, we don't want you to be faked out. We don't want to sneak up on you. We want you to know that we, we make judgments according to the word of God. This isn't just for those visiting. This is for the members as well. Are you with me here? We, we are a, a we, we, where the Bible is silent, we speak, we speak where the Bible is silent. That means if the Bible says something, we just, we just, we just shut our traps and we do it. <laughs> so okay, the Bible says that. We do it. But if the Bible is silent on an issue, we're free to go. We're free to say something as long as it does not go against the word of God. Are you with me right here. We believe in having a church that's comprised of only sold out disciples in discipling relationships. See, you can't be a sold out disciple if you're not in a discipling relationship where a man is using the word of God to hold you accountable to everything you say you believe. Where a woman is using the word of God to hold you accountable to everything you say you believe. We believe in that. We believe in central leadership. You gotta have someone that brings things together at the end of the day and says, hey, this is what we're gonna do. Jesus was the central leader in the first century. After he led his church, the apostle James, or or the brother of Jesus, James was the central leader. We believe in central leadership, and we believe in the dream to evangelize the nations in one generation. Amen? I pray that vision is always on your heart. 2 Corinthians chapter 2. Always. Paul is facing many detours and disappointments when he writes this. You know, there are many detours in life. (laughs) But you got to stay on that narrow road that's leading you to heaven. (laughs) There are many disappointments in life. You ever been disappointed right there? Something was supposed to happen and it did not. Uh, Paul is facing quite a bit of disappointments and yet even in the midst of disappointment, he knew that God was with him. And that is an anchor for our souls, is it not? Isn't it awesome to know that even if you've been disappointed by God, that God is still with you? That, That even in disappointment, God may be leading you. The fact that things are falling apart may mean that they're falling in place. And so this was the heart of Paul. He says things are kind of kind of falling apart, but they're they're actually falling right on in line right there. That's often when God is really leading you. Are you with me here? And so what he says in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, we'll start in verse 14 right there. He's, he's, He's not got Titus with him, one of his great leaders that he was raising on up. Uh, Some things aren't going the way he likes, but Paul Paul digs down deep and he gets some faith. And he says this here in verse 14. But thanks be to God. (laughs) Right there, you just sensed he was grateful for his relationship with God. He says, thanks be to God who always leads us in triumphal procession in Christ. He says... You're going through divorce, God is leading you always in triumphal procession. You're going through ups and downs, God is leading you always. God is always leading you. We believe as a church, God is sovereign. That means everything in your life that's happened, God has either caused it to happen or he's allowed it to happen. The good and the bad. Jesus himself says, I've came for you to have life and life to the full. 
We think a full life is full of joy, full of sunny days in London. That's going to change real soon, probably. But a full life is also full of all of the challenges that come. In fact, if you haven't had challenges, you haven't lived a full life. And so sometimes people even come into the kingdom having had, quote unquote, a, a good life, and then they have challenges in the kingdom. No, that's God giving you a full life right there. So you can relate to everybody else. Are you with me right here? He says this here. He says, always leads us in triumphal procession in Christ and through who? Through us spreads everywhere the fragrance of the knowledge of him. He says through us God, first of all, he's triumphantly doing it, and he's spreading a freight. There's a smell that's going around. The Christian's got a smell going on right there. I think of my wife's perfume right there. Woo, that, that perfume is just like, ooh, that's that's glorious right there. That's a glorious smell, right? There. You think of you think of that nice meal that you love to eat, you know. You think of that jell-off rice if you're from Nigeria. You think of the pie and the mash. You think of that Sunday roast, and you just go, that smells good. That's that's good right there. He says, that's what the gospel smells like to those who want to live. He says, for we are to God the aroma of Christ among those who are being saved. So this is a good smell for those who are being saved. And to those who are perishing. To one, so he separates things on out. He says, to one we are the smell of what? Death. He says, when we come as Christians, to one, we're the smell of death. Something's got to die. Something's got to die. When Christians, I I remember when I became a disciple, and I I saw the holiness in the Christian's eyes and everything, I went, oh no. Oh no, I can't keep faking my Christianity. They can see through. I mean, every one of the members looked you right in the eye. I didn't like that. Why why are you looking at me right in the eye? Can't you, you know, they said, hey, how are you doing today? I'm looking down. Even the, the women in the church are looking at me right in the eye, and I was just, oh my! I had my best suit on. I thought I could hide my sin and come in, and they think I was kind of cool because I had a good suit on. And that did they look right through that like veneer, just looking right into my soul right there, and helping me to see that it's not about the outward appearance. For the Lord looks at the heart. He says, "To the one we are the smell of death; to the other, the fragrance of life." And who is equal to such a task? Unlike so many, and there are so many. He says, unlike so many, we do not peddle the word of God for profit. He says, we are not prosperity gospel preachers. Let me tell you something. Jesus did not even die with the very clothes on his back. He literally died with nothing. They divided up his clothes. He, He had absolutely, he didn't have a pension plan. Jesus didn't die with a great savings account. You know how it is in the 24th. You've got to have a great savings to feel secure. No, you need Jesus to feel secure. He says, unlike so many, we don't peddle it for profit. On the contrary, in Christ, we speak before God with sincerity, like men sent from God. I mean, what an incredible passage. He says, we are sincere. We speak with sincerity, like men and women. Yes. Amen. Women, maybe. Sent from God. You've got to ask yourself as you look through this text what Paul's saying when he says he always leads us in triumphal procession. Or a better question would be what is or what was a Roman triumphal procession? Where did Paul get this from? Well, a triumphal procession, simply stated, was a celebration. It was a Roman celebration. 
It was a celebration that included a huge, massive parade that had the same securitist route and went through the city. Now, what were they celebrating? They were celebrating victory. An army had gone out, conquered some section of land, and they came back and they were celebrating victory. So that's what a Roman triumphal procession was. And Paul uses that as a play on words to say Christians should be leading a a, a Christian triumphal procession. Are you with me here? Now, how and when did the Roman general get a triumphal procession? Wasn't this everybody? Some generals went out and they had some victory. Some had other victories. But when did a Roman general get a triumphal procession? There were some, there were, there were some, dare we say, caveats or some, some qualifiers uh, to get a triumphal procession. Uh, number one, you had to have a decisive victory on foreign soil. You had to have a decisive victory on foreign soil. I really believe as Christians, you get to have a decisive victory on foreign soil whenever you help someone become a Christian who's not from your racial background. The Roman soldier, or the Roman general would get a triumphal procession uh, when he got that victory. What would happen is as he showed the spoils of war, all the people that he captured from the, the enemy uh, army, as he showed the spoils of war, which was one of the qualifiers, you had to show the evidence that you conquered in a foreign land. You'd have to show the spoils of war. What would happen is before he came into the city, message got back to the city that, hey, we won the battle. And so what would happen is they would start lighting incense. Now, the incense were the incense of victory. But if you were one of those who were caught, those incense were the smell of your death. Meaning that when you came into the city as the spoils of war, you'd be thrown to the dogs. You'd be eaten alive. You'd be killed. And so literally a Roman triumphal procession meant, hey, hey, some of it is awesome for those who won. Not so awesome for for those who have not won. And yet as disciples, we know we are not fighting for victory. We are fighting from victory. Jesus paid the price. We've already won the battle if we stay faithful and let God lead us in triumphal procession. Now, the Roman triumphal procession included a number qualifier, 5,000. You had to have 5,000. 5,000 people that you'd actually conquered on foreign soil. And yet, I really believe this is a great shadow of, of Jesus Christ, who was the great commander who left heaven to come to earth, foreign soil. Are you with me there? See, see, see. The physical incarnation of Jesus was not the subtraction of deity. It was the addition to humanity. Jesus' divine nature existed before the creation of the world. So for those that say Jesus began 2,000 years ago, no he didn't. His natural natural, uh, self began 2,000, his physical self 2,000. Jesus predates time. He's outside of time. He's outside of space. He's outside of matter. We are stuck in time as humans. Are you with me here? And so, so, so Jesus is our great commander who's come from heaven to foreign soil. He won a decisive victory by saving those, feeding those 5,000 right there. Uh, and I really believe the ones he's captured from the devil that he shows as the spoils of war are all the true sold out disciples around the world right there. You are the spoils of war for Jesus. Point number one, God is always at work in a church making disciples. God is always at work in a church making disciples. 
in John chapter 5 and verse 16. The Bible says, So because Jesus was doing these things on the Sabbath, the Jewish leaders began to persecute him. You know, if Jesus was persecuted, you will be persecuted if you want to be like Jesus. Verse 17, in his defense, Jesus said to them, My father is always at work to this very day, and I too am working. I really believe Jesus is still at work. Jesus is still working. You may not see Jesus working in your life, but let me tell you something, Jesus is still working. He's still leading his people in triumphal procession. He's still working to save the entire world. You may get sucked into the political debates that are going on and thinking about the Brexit or who's in charge. Let me tell you something. God is in charge. And God is at work. Even through the government. Even through things that are happening. God is at work. I'll never forget when we planted the church in South Africa. I'll never forget. When we went to South Africa, there was such a racial divide. You literally had individuals that said, if we plant a church in South Africa, the black people definitely don't want to be unified with the white people because apartheid had not fallen down at the time when we went. And so we need to send two different mission teams. A black mission team and a white mission team. That, That was the thinking. And we said, absolutely not. That is not in the Bible. We are not sending a black team and a white team. We're going to send a, a, a team of disciples, yeah. black and white, yeah. ebony and ivory, living in spiritual harmony right there. Yeah. Are you with me here? Okay. Now, that sounds really awesome. That sounds really great. Hey, this is what we're going to do. But what if the government says, hey, no, you're not doing anything? Well, the powerful thing is that God has authority even over the government. Before apartheid, the walls came down, we said we're sending in a team. Literally, after we said we're sending in a team, it was literally, I believe it was weeks, don't quote me on the exact weeks, but weeks, maybe about a month, the walls of apartheid came down and we planted the church in South Africa in our former fellowship. God is all powerful. And he only did that because we wanted to make disciples. And I'm, I'm, I'm excited for the South African disciples we have. Yeah. Any South Africans in the house right there? We got Victor in the back right there. I remember Victor. He got baptized a few weeks ago right there. He, he, he's a part of the BBC. He's a part. That's the bald brother crew right there. The bald. Me, Brandon, Muhammad, him. You thought it was a TV show. but Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter, keep up with me guys. (laughs) I'm a piece of work. I've got issues. Amen. I just want you to love me always. Matthew chapter 28 and verse 18. At the end of Jesus' life, he says this here. He goes and we'll pick it up in verse 16. It says, then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, There's the physical evidence. They literally see Jesus. This is so shocking to me. I can read this passage over and over every day and see something new. They literally saw enough evidence. And and the Bible says, after they saw him, when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. They saw enough evidence and still doubted. And I can can read that and go, wow, I can't believe what's wrong with these guys. And I did the same thing. I read the scriptures, I saw that I wasn't really a true disciple, and I still doubt it. Because sin will steal your faith. Sin steals faith. Doubt is a decision. 
has nothing to do with the evidence. It has absolutely nothing to do with you seeing enough evidence to believe. Faith is being sure of what you hope for and certainly what you don't see. That's actually faith. When you don't have some proof, and yet they had decided, they saw, dare we say, the most incredible miracle anybody could ever be a part of. They saw Jesus resurrected. That's better than the waters parting. That's better than anything else. And some still doubt it. I pray today that if you are shown the scriptures, you're shown enough spiritual, biblical evidence that you need to become a true disciple, you don't doubt. It's God saying, I want to be with you always, not only in this life, but in your life to come. He says this here. When they saw him, they worshipped him. Some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and he said, some authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. The rest has been given to, you know, Theresa May and Donald Trump and Joseph Smith and Muhammad. No, it didn't say that. I'm not trying to be offensive, but I'm just being honest with you. It says all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and find disciples because you don't want to offend anybody who thinks they're one already. No, no. He didn't say go find disciples. He says, therefore, go and make disciples of only your nation. He says, if you're from London, you've got to make London disciples. If you're from England, you've got to make, you know, those are two different countries, London and England. It feels like that sometimes. No, he says, all nations. That means if you are a true Christian, your desire should be to have friends of all nations. You know, I've got to ask, do you have any friends of other nations? I mean, are, are you a Nigerian that's got some Russian friends and some Polish friends and I mean are, 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 do you have a cultural cultural block on your, your, your faith do you put your culture over your calling I mean that's something that always kills people's faith I mean it kills faith when you walk in and, and you get a great hug from someone from your culture but you don't get a good hug from someone that's not from your culture we don't believe in that if you're visiting for the first time I'm warning you now you're going to get a hug it may feel uncomfortable a little strange but we just want to be disciples from all nations we want to be like what the Bible says Amen. he says then you, after you make them then you, then you got to baptize them in the name of the Father Son the Holy Spirit right uh, not in the name of the Pope. So you don't baptize anybody in the name of the Pope. Right? It says the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Not trying to be offensive. Just reading the scriptures. Okay? It says, and teaching them to, to, to obey some of the things I've commanded you. No, no Burger King Christianity. You know how Burger King is, right? Have it your way. You know, give me those pickles, sauce, and special cheese. You know, you can, you know, no, you got to have the whole meal right there spiritually. He says, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And if you're not doing this, I'm with you always to the very end of the age. No. He says, and surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. Notice the terminology? Always. Well, what's the implication? If you're not doing this, God's not with you. God's not with you. Doesn't mean God doesn't love you. God loves a lot of people that aren't going to heaven. God is love. That is his nature. God's love is unconditional. In other words, you don't need to be a Christian to be loved by God. Isn't that awesome? That's kind of cool. Wow, you can... Everybody that's getting drunk right now, they're loved by God. Yeah. Everybody that, you know, um, you know, they, they support, you know, Manchester United, not Arsenal. They're loved by God, right? Uh-oh, uh-oh. You guys said you love me always, right? The point is that God's love is unconditional. He doesn't, he doesn't have a condition on his love. He loves you always. 
But just because he loves you doesn't mean you're going to heaven. God's love is unconditional, but a relationship with him is conditional. That means even if you're in the church, just because you're in the church doesn't mean you're going to heaven. The Bible says that judgment begins with the family of believers. So so what what a scary thing that you could be literally in God's church that's making disciples and be lost. We saw that today. With Rob coming back and going, wow, I really want to be in a church that's making disciples. I really want to be a disciple. And to do that, Martin had to get in there and teach him to obey everything that God commands so we can restore our brother today. See, when God looks at the earth, he sees his church universal. Because he says, make this up all nations. How can we, with our visual eye, know what everybody is doing in all nations? Well, we really can't. We've got to go to the visible church, where we see what's taught in the Bible happening in the church. And so when God looks at the earth, he sees his church universal. The first century church went to every single nation in their generation. Colossians chapter 1 says, all over the world this gospel is bearing fruit. That means they went to the entire world Knew the God. It doesn't mean they converted everyone. Right. It means everyone heard the message. Yeah. Sometimes hearing the message of true Christianity does not come through people being excited about you. It comes through persecution. <laughs> That's part of how the message gets out. Yeah. Through persecution. But they did it. They got the entire world. They changed the world with the gospel. Okay, They went around the world, around the universe. And sadly, when sin crept into the first century church, they changed it from being the church universal to the word we hear nowadays use, Catholic. Catholic means universal. And so the church in the Bible stopped being the church after about 364, and they became the Catholic church. And they began doing things that are not written in Scripture, violating God's commandment right there. And God always knows. However, when you align yourself with the Word of God and you you decide, hey, we're going to go exactly by what the Bible teaches, you, you, you become God's church universal. And let me tell you what God's church universal is doing all around the world right now. Let me tell you about the church that you are in right there. Well, first of all, I pray that you're fired up about our global leadership conference, August 16th through the 19th in Los Angeles, California. It's called Empowered. LA has done uh, an incredible time. They've had over, they've had hundreds of baptisms down there. Uh, the GLC this year is going to be in the convention center, arguably one of the largest venues uh, we've never met in the convention center. Uh, it's, it's, we're not even meeting in the hotel rooms uh, for our classes. It's all in the convention center. Uh, we've started a university, the International College of Christian Ministries, built on the European grading system. Uh, we gave, uh, I believe it was 91 degrees out last year. The number is growing and growing and growing. They're going to get, they're going to have a celebration of all the degrees that are going to be given out on top of all the people that have been joined that have joined the movement in LA God is leading the LA church in triumphal procession in New Delhi in New Delhi those of you know we we sent a mission team out to New Delhi right there and uh, just last week only 18 disciples had 205 people at church 205 Many of these people that came were from our former fellowship, the International Church of Christ, and they were seeking a church that's leading God's people in triumphal procession. They literally said, we want to be in a church that is, that is doing something around the world. We don't want to be in a community church. That's not in the Bible. It doesn't say go make a community church. When you have a community vision, you may win the neighborhood. But when you have a world vision, oh yeah, you'll get the community, you get the city, and by faith, we'll get the entire world in our generation. 
it's so awesome because with the New Delhi mission team and all the individuals that went out and the 205 at church, we had a former Buddhist priest baptized here in London. Yeah. He lost his faith. He came back, got restored, got poisoned by our former fellowship yeah. uh, a little bit, but let's get, but, but he came back, joined us, and not only got severe persecution where he is from, Nepal, he actually joined the New Delhi mission team. A new is a part of the mission team. That's your church. How about Cambodia, Phnom Penh? They've grown from three to 13 in just six months, uh, including two former top leaders in our former fellowship, the International Church of Christ, who were literally on staff when they decided to join. They literally said, we're leaving the staff meeting and joining you guys. Can we still get the same pay we're getting over here and can we join you guys? And so they they literally joined. And so three of the 13 that have joined have been top ministers there in Phnom Penh, Cambodia. Uh, Sydney, Australia. What can we say? Led by the great Joe and Carrie Willis right there. Uh, Just so you know, Joe was met in Camden Town years ago. He was a punk rocker with a mohawk. Okay? Do not judge by outward appearance. Okay? He was a punk rocker who, who got rid of the mohawk now. He, he, he looks different, if you've ever seen him. And uh, doesn't look like a punk rocker. And uh, he was mad. He studied the Bible. He's leading the church down there. Uh, the church has grown from 47 to 61 just this year alone. Just this year alone. And last year they planted the church in Hong Kong, China. And the, the church in Hong Kong, China is on fire for God right there. Not to mention Dominic, who wants to train for the church that we will plant in Berlin, Germany. June 8th is leaving Sydney, and he's coming to be with the London International Christian Church. San Francisco. Uh, Any women in the house? They had a women's day called beautiful. Now, I think all sisters are beautiful. I don't think there's a such thing as a sister that's not beautiful right there. You know, so if we have a play, then we'll have a brother dress up like a sister right there. We, that way we can say that's an ugly woman right there, because it really was. Uh, it was an ugly brother right there. Okay, but all sisters are beautiful in the Lord. Yeah, amen. Uh, but they had a women's day called beautiful, uh, where 91 sisters had 230 people in attendance. They've had 34 baptisms and three restorations this year already in San Francisco. 34. New York, just last week, they had four baptisms, one restoration. Luke has an office on one of the top universities there. He literally has an office where the the university lets him study the Bible with people and try to convert the staff and everything like that. That's God leading New York in triumphal procession. How about Dubai? A lot of us want to go to Dubai for vacation. No, you need to go to Dubai to see what God's doing. And when you go to Dubai, don't say goodbye, okay? Just come back to London. (laughs) Dubai. They had four baptisms last month. You go, uh, that's awesome. The women's ministry leader has a severe heart condition and she can die any minute. You know how many excuses she makes? You know how much she complains about the weather? Complains about travel? Complains about someone not saying something kind to her in a fellowship? You know how much she complains? Never. She literally is in a position where at any moment she could die. She was persecuted so heavily by her family, they they called us a cult because they thought, 
You guys are, are, are influencing our daughter to be a, part, a missionary, knowing that she was, first of all, she was born with only a, a I forget the exact number, I think it's 4% chance of, of living with her, with her heart was that bad at birth and she's lived with this condition all her life and she told her parents listen if I die I want to die doing God's work with God triumphantly, triumphantly leading me and so Artie and April they, they had four dishes and this, this is I mean so the question is like, what's your excuse what, what's your excuse this woman could die at any minute and yet spiritually she's already died She's died for the Lord and giving life to so many in Dubai right there. Uh, Moscow, uh, their team ministry is on fire. Uh, this is largely by uh, because of Sophia Sorokin, the daughter of the preacher. Uh, she's gotten such persecution by converting individuals. One story that it just blew me away. I don't have time to tell all their good news. Uh, but she reached out to a young uh, Korean man who was actually a persecutor at her school and saying nasty things and saying bad things. Uh, and so she, she finally, she just gets the face, she invites him on out. His name is Hio. He actually comes to church, studies the Bible, stops being a persecutor, gets baptized, and now he's slated. He wants to go to be uh, a missionary in, in Korea. Don't tell me that given North and South Korea's little bit of a marriage they're having right there, they're starting to get it together right there. we got to get Ireland to do the same thing right there. Uh, but, <laughs> you know, don't tell me that's coincidence. That this young man says, I want to be a missionary in Korea. Right at a time where things are starting to get unified up there. What's happening in Sao Paulo, Brazil? At the beginning of this year, there were 200 disciples. There are already 221 disciples. And they got 70 campus disciples. 70 students that don't put their studies over the word of God. Amen. 70 students that, that are motivating other students because they get good grades. Yes. Not, oh, I got, you know, my Christianity is hurting my, my grades. You know, I got to read the Bible. Gotta. Gotta. Do you love God? You know what I mean? I don't gotta hang out with my wife. You know, I gotta be with her. Gotta come to church. That's a, that's a lack of love. You don't gotta do You know, you want to right there. You know, when you have that gotta spirit, that's like that old, you know, uh, oh, Lord, civil rights kind of your ball and chain of dragging it with you through the streets of London and you're all unhappy. That isn't what God is looking at. And that's not what God is looking for. He wants you to be excited. they got 70 campus students down there. So moving. Rio, one of the churches they, they planted just last week, they had four baptisms. You ever seen the pictures of what Rio looks like? Last thing you want to do is get baptized in Rio. Rio is, I mean, it's like paradise. I mean, the water is perfect. Yeah. Everybody's suntan. The music. And people are like, you know what? I don't care how perfect the weather is. I'm so depressed inside without a purpose. I want to become a true disciple. See, I think Londoners think if we had great weather, then all these people become Christians. Sadly, that's a little bit true. But we don't worship the sun. We worship the son of God. So I pray to the disciples, you don't get fired up just because it's sunny out there. You get fired up because you love Jesus Christ right there. can't tell you all the other churches. Hong Kong, uh, they've had weekly editions last month, including uh, the baptism of a top model in all of Hong Kong. She's got pictures all over Hong Kong. She goes, you know what? It means nothing. She got baptized. Uh, Chicago Church, they had weekly editions. Uh, They've had weekly editions in the past six weeks. Uh, The church in Hilo, Hawaii, we had a world sector leader leading the fastest growing church, my good friend, in our movement, the Philippines. Yeah. Well, sadly, he lost his faith. Sin came on in. 
gross sin, bad things. All sin is gross. He lost his faith. Fell away from God. The disciples didn't fall away from him. Reached out. And Kyle Bartholomew got restored to the Lord right there and inspired up again. We got him back. Haiti. What's going on in Haiti? Maybe we don't need to go after Haiti. You know, they can't, you know. No, God is triumphantly moving in Haiti. They had a situation where one preacher came from Haiti just because he heard of our church and he met us in Los Angeles, California. He realized at that time that although he was leading a church, he's not a real a true Christian. He got baptized at our global leadership conference about five years ago, went back, converted several other preachers. Now, just last year, all 13 of these preachers got together all the people after a a huge intense evangelism push. They had a five-day session of intense Bible studies with everyone that came visiting, and only after five days, they had 21 people baptized, and six of them were former preachers in other churches in Haiti. That's what's going on in Haiti. Of course, in London last week, we had, uh, we, we, we had three baptisms here. Uh, we've had 11 editions, uh, weekly editions for the last eight, uh, 11 weeks. Uh, of course, our brother jo- uh, Rob joining us today. We had a couple of weeks ago, we had uh, Ian the Berean got baptized right there. And uh, that's awesome. We, we, we had a few, I think about a week or so before that, we had Victor get baptized. That's awesome. You know, there's a false teaching about Muhammad, but let me tell you some Muhammad's in the kingdom of God. Okay, Muhammad got baptized a few weeks ago. And last week we saw three people get baptized. We saw our first baptism in Birmingham, uh, Emmanuel, which means God's with us and God is with us. Because uh, Emmanuel got baptized. Uh, Sam Rina got baptized. Uh, and a personal uh, favorite of mine, I love spiritual daughters, uh, Vitrix. Uh, she's smarter than me. And you always, when you get older, you need you know, get some kids that are smarter than you in your life. Uh, and so Vitrix, you know, she last week, she got baptized. She's a beautiful young lady sitting in the front. That's how God is leading us in triumphal procession right there. And so when you hear that, it makes you want to rejoice always, does it not? And that's that's our second point. You need to rejoice always. Philippians chapter 4. Rejoice always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Philippians chapter 4. The Bible says this here. Paul comes to them and he says in verse 4, he says, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. You know, I think he needs to say this to London. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Rejoice in the, in London always. Yeah. I want to challenge you. Yeah. Can I challenge you? Yeah. From the Word of God. Yeah. Are you ready for this challenge? Yeah. I, want, I want to challenge you never to say anything. Na- I, want, no, I can't do that because you won't do You'll fall away from that challenge. Nah. Let me give the one I really said here. Okay. I, I want to challenge you to track how negative you are for a week. I want to challenge you not to say anything negative for an entire week. Not one single thing. Don't say anything negative for an entire week. Just try it for a week. Watch and find out how happy you are. Don't say anything negative. Don't say, I can't believe it rained. Don't say, what is Theresa May doing? Don't say, what is Obama saying? What is Trump tweeting again? I can't believe this. The little old lady pushed me getting on the train. How come the delays? What's wrong? Don't say anything negative. I want to challenge you to do it. Don't go, how long is the sermon going? For those of you that have already been saying that. Don't, don't say that. I, I want to challenge you not to, just, just 
don't just rejoice in the Lord always. Always. Do you know what always means? That means if you are at a funeral and you are a true disciple, you know you don't mourn as those who have no hope. You mourn like a Christian would mourn, knowing your home is in heaven. And although this is a sad moment, that you know the Bible teaches that death is for the living. Yeah. Yes. Book of Ecclesiastes. Yeah. That when someone dies, it's for those who are still physically living. Yes. To help us value the life we have, yeah. value our relationship that we have, and to be excited that God has given us a little bit longer on this physical earth to help people fall in love with Jesus Christ. And you can always rejoice that you are saved. I, I, we, we've got to have a happy, happy... A lot of people say, commentators write that this was the happy church. It was it's exactly wrong. They weren't happy. Yeah. And in Philippi, it was Europe. They got used to being negative. You know, so interesting, hearing about our, our incredible conference we had in India and all the disciples that went to the leper colony and hearing our sister last week talk about going to the leper colony and seeing people with no hands seeing people with no face seeing people that have been eaten alive by leprosy and seeing the level of joy in that city how happy people were I just got to ask an honest question are you happy yes are you honestly joyful? I'm talking spiritual joy, not happy because Arsenal won or Chelsea won or Bayern Munich or any of these things that are pointless. Are you honestly happy? Yes. Have you found the scriptures that are medicating and soothing your heart? Yes. Have you found the the passages that are that are, that or are you are you are you always sad? You're always critical. You're always faithless. Are you always skeptical? I met a guy I shared my faith with today. He goes, you know, it's so shocking meeting someone who's not skeptical. Everyone here is so skeptical. Everyone. I I just challenge you, just for a week. Rejoice in the Lord always. Colossians chapter 4. You guys stay with me here? Bring it in for a close. We need to always be wrestling in prayer. Always be wrestling in prayer. You know, a wrestling match is not, you know, a dance. You get pretty sweaty. In Colossians chapter 4, in verse 10, it says, My fellow prisoner, Aristarchus, sends you greetings, as does Mark, the cousin of Barnabas. You have received instruction about him. If he comes to you, welcome him. Well, this is a great passage that highlights place memberships are in the Bible. You didn't have to get rebaptized to join the church. Okay, you were recommended by another preacher who said, hey, he had already become a Christian in this church, so now he can join us without getting rebaptized. Okay, but that's only being baptized as a true disciple. So, anyway, verse 11, it says, Jesus, who is called Justice, also sends greetings. Okay? Um, that's not Jesus Christ, that's this other guy. Okay? Just wonder, for those of you that weren't following along right there. It says, uh, these are the only Jews among my fellow workers for the kingdom of God, and they have approved, they have proved a comfort to me. Epaphras, who is one of your servants of Christ, Jesus, sends you greetings. He is always wrestling in prayer for you. Always wrestling in prayer for you. That you may stand firm in all the will of God. Mature. That means you know the first principles. Mature. And fully assured. I vouch for him. He is working hard for you and for those at Laodicea and Hierapolis. We've got to really start having some radical prayers. 
We've got to start having prayers where we wrestle. I'm talking wrestling matches. I'm talking. I'm talking where you wrestle. Where you where you physically are tired after you you've been. When's the last time you got physically tired in a prayer? Physically tired. You know, Satan's coming. You know, when God is working, Satan is lurking. <laughs> and God's been working, as, as you can hear. But Satan has been lurking. Yeah. And I, I, I mean, this week, I've just had some prayers. I just got tired. I was just like, am I in sin? Because I'm tired of praying. <laughs> oh, no. I've been wrestling in prayer. Amen. <laughs> it's okay to come down and go, Phew. I laid all my burdens at the foot of the cross. Now I can go and make a disciple here. Are, are you with me here? Yeah. Prayer is one of the most powerful things on the face of this yes. earth that he gives you an opportunity to do. Yeah. You can pray on all occasions. Yes. Prayer can change depression. Yes. Prayer, prayer. Colossians, or, or Genesis chapter 4. He comes to Cain and he says, if you do what's right, will you not be accepted? The Bible says Cain was downcast because he wasn't doing what's right. I I believe we live in a downcast society because people aren't turning to the great physician, God. You get depressed, you go take a pill. You get depressed, you go to the physical doctor. I'm not making a mockery of those who have a literal medical condition. I'm just appealing to you to start wrestling with God in prayer. To start begging God for miracles. This room is a tiny, tiny representation of the faith that's in this country. There are individuals that will become true disciples. There are young men that will say, listen, I I love God more than I love this relationship. There are young women that will say, I I love God more than this relationship. And I I really believe we've got to wrestle in prayer for God to send them to us. The harvest is plentiful. The workers are few. I've been sharing my faith. Maybe you need to pray. He says, ask the Lord of the harvest. Ask the Lord. That means pray. (laughs) Yeah, I try to get people to church today. Got a couple. And then I had a prayer. And someone I shared my faith with a long time ago came today. He's sitting in the back. (laughs) It's awesome. It's awesome. It's awesome. One hour prayer. This week. Yes. Start there. Start there. I I challenge you. Have a one hour prayer. And don't think you can not talk to God and have a great relationship with your your brother or your sister. If you're not close to God, you will not be close to the people of God. You cannot be close to God and not close to the people of God. We've got to pray, guys. I'm talking on our knees. There's something that happens to you physically when you get down on your knees and you ask God to move powerfully. There's something that happens when your prayers are not about you. I'm not asking you to pray about what's happened to you. I'm asking you to pray for God's will to be done in your life. Pray. You hear Patrick, he's wrestling for other people. He could have been wrestling for himself. We've got to be a praying church. We've got to get rid of the day where if five of us walked out and got on the streets and went down on our knees in prayer, they wouldn't think we were from a different religion, if you know what I'm talking about. That's the sad state of prayer in Christendom. That if all of us right now got up and walked out and got on our knees and came into some of us probably wouldn't do it. So I wonder, if you would, amen. But if we all went out there and got on our knees and prayed, you know, most people would go, yeah, they're probably from that, that religion. We, we, we've got a, Christianity was around 600 years before that. Okay, we, we've got to be a praying. I want to give you the one hour challenge to pray to the Lord. We've got to pray for 
victories. And lastly, 2 Corinthians chapter 15, always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord. 2 Corinthians chapter 15, you guys still with me here? We got a lot of work to do. 2 Corinthians did I say 2 Corinthians? Sorry about that. 1 Corinthians. Pick it up in verse 50, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. He says, I declare to you, brothers, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit imperishable. Listen, I'll tell you a mystery. We will not all, it says, we will not all sleep, but we will all be changed in the flash, in the twinkling, I love that, in the twinkling of an eye. He says, that, that's how fast it'll happen. Just, just a if you can twinkle your eye like that, it's like, wow. <laughs> it says, at the last trumpet. That means when you die. Uh, for the trumpet will sound. The dead will be raised. The imperishable will be changed. For the perishable must clothe itself with imperishable and mortal with immortality. When imperishable has been clothed with imperishable and mortal with mortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O oh death, is your victory? Where, O oh death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin. The power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my dear brothers, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord. Because you know your labor in the Lord is not in vain in the church saying. You know, we've gone through first principles and it's time for us to start baptizing people. You know, it's great that we had a restoration today that uh, Rob has uh, come back to be restored. Uh, But uh, it it is time for us as true disciples uh, to baptize people. Uh, And that isn't going to happen by just just, just not, not doing the work. Uh, we, we've got to go out and, 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 and baptize people. We've got the first principles now. Wouldn't it be amazing if by the end of 2018, we had 250 sold out disciples in the London International Christian Church? Do you realize if every single member just makes a disciple? Just, just one disciple. Every single member makes a disciple. We will double. That's it. That's it. But it takes work. It takes work. It has nothing to do with your talent and your skill ability. The Bible says, hey, I plant it and water. God makes it grow. God will use your faith. He will use your faith. It is time that we really begin preaching the word. I want to challenge you to be personally fruitful. I want to challenge you to make that the greatest desire, to love God with all your heart and to love your neighbor. To be able to say, hey, this is the person that I studied the Bible with and I baptized. This is the person that I I was in the studies with and I helped become a Christian. God will give you all the desires of your heart if you do that. 
but it's going to take work, guys. Mm. It takes work. It took work to get you in the kingdom. That's right. And you got to show your gratefulness to God by doing that same work for those outside of the kingdom. Mm-hmm. Always, always, always continue to do the work of God. I love you guys. We would like to thank you for listening to that episode of the podcast. If you would like video versions of these episodes, whether it's sermon highlights or interviews, feel free to check us out on our website or view them on our YouTube channel. That's londonchurch.org.uk. That's L-O-N-D-O-N-C-H-U-R-C-H.org.uk. And for all other updates and information, whether it's services, events, or devotionals, you can find all that on our website also. Once again, we'd like to thank you for listening and we'll catch you on the next one. Mm-hmm.